You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, uh, after taking a good look at the uh, the film... Podcast. Hell yeah, brother. Overload, brother. Beats by at Smoke M2D6. This is episode 32 of Seattle Overload, and the Super Bowl has happened. We're slightly disappointed with the ending of that. But before we look ahead, to the Seahawks off-season and perhaps hope of making the 2022 season Super Bowl for Seattle. The past can prove insightful, and so we're going to look back at Seattle's offense from 2021, as we did with the defense in uh, episode 29, episode 30 of Seattle Overload. We've just done an episode on their new coaching hires, uh, episode 31. So, Griffin, Seattle's offense from... 2021, first year of Shane Waldron as the new offensive coordinator. It was somewhat disappointing, right? Yeah, it was It was pretty mixed. It's so hard to, um, like it wasn't a clean comparison to previous years because uh, the most important player on the offense, quarterback Russell Wilson, obviously missed a bunch of games. Um, well... He he missed three games, but he, he missed three. He games. wasn't really present in the the games he came back for he, until yeah. he he came back playing hurt, and that clearly affected him mentally and everything, and just the rest of being out. So it was you, you kind of have to, from an eval purpose overall. It's not it's hard to not want to throw out, um, but there's a lot to glean from it. Um, they they ended up finishing top ten in offensive DVOA, ironically. Um, but if if we remember, I mean, they were still scoring a lot of points before the injury, and then the last five six weeks of the season, the running game was more efficient than like three quarters of the league's passing games, which isn't sustainable probably. But they captured something there, so that explains why they had very odd odd numbers adding up in the aggregate um odd stretch odd stretches adding up in the aggregate mm. for an efficient offense but there was a lot that didn't go right um so we'll talk about like each individual player we'll talk about um all the position oh, not each individual player we'll, we'll touch on each <laughs> position group rather 
Um, but what? So he, here's here's the thing, though. So the, the, let's recap. They hired a Sean McVay guy, um, Shane Waldron, after um, having three years with Brian Schottenheimer. So did the offense did the offense actually change? In in from from a from a what thousand foot view or top from a macro perspective at a glance superficially did the offense was it fundamentally different was it the McVeigh offense or was it the Seahawks offense as we've always known it well the interesting Carol and Russell Wilson the the interesting thing about Waldron is his experience before with Charlie uh, Weiss. Uh, I think it was Notre Dame, and um, so he'd, he'd been in a different system before that. And obviously, when he came here, he did have to blend. From a thousand foot view, I don't think you would have been able to tell. Uh, I think you'd have thought, "Hey, this is slightly different. Um, they're not doing this as much. They're doing this a bit more." But really, uh, no. And obviously, as we've said. <laughs> And heck, here it comes again. Um, the the quarterback uh, will influence what kind of style of offense you run. Uh, heck, we, we we saw McVay change with Stafford uh, Stafford compared to Goff, and also how defenses were playing them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the 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 I think the run game uh, in and to me, you can kind of break the season down into three parts. So there's there's part one where they're having this issue of we're hello explosive and then we just stall and we're not sustaining any long drives. We're just either a hundred percent wow or or there's nothing. And there's this whole type of possession deal where the defense is on the field for ages because they, they're unable to get off the field for reasons that we covered in the defensive part of this, but also the offense kept going three and out and stalling and having uh, reoccurring issues of, of Wilson's past weaknesses uh, occur, but also reoccurring issues uh, in other areas too. Then there's part two of this, which is Wilson gets hurt, then Wilson comes back hurt. And then there's part three where we don't really know how good Wilson is, but he's hitting enough of the explosive throws. But also the, the run game is just astonishing. Like It's just ridiculous with Rashad Penny. And so, you know, you ask me how how different is the offense? Well, I think in that part three, the the run game was more wide zone, uh, wide zone oriented. But then again, you know, they still had the gap stuff. What happens to that? And they still had duo, uh, and they they even had some same side counter that they installed, which hit nice against the Bears. And so it's it's I don't know from a, on a Mac on a wide level though to to really repeat my answer to your question. I don't think you you would be able to tell. I think you just think it was just a normal year-to-year yeah. kind of uh, mix-up. I also think the offense may have looked more disjointed because in that first part, it was impossible for Waldron to get anything going because they didn't have the drives. And so he he was just trying to... He's a first-year NFL play caller and he's trying to find any kind of semblance of rhythm and he just couldn't. Yeah. Then the, se- this, the, then the second portion, the second third, he's trying to get Geno Smith into just any kind of functioning shape. The run game isn't there yet, which, man, is frustrating. If they'd have the run game then and they'd have yeah. Russell Wilson 
you know, carried by that run game then, well, we, we might be talking about a playoff Seahawks team, but we're not. And they, I don't think he could have learned much from that because, yeah. like, with Gino, they went all to this, like, uh, I mean, they tried to do that concept he was good at in college, but it wasn't really, uh, it didn't really resemble what Waldron wants to do, really. And right. then um, part three, that's probably more what it looks like. But then we saw week one when the run game's popping, what, what the offense is going to look like. And it's kind of the, the peak peak Russell Wilson experience in those situations too, where he can be, he has enough of the, the sideline one-on-ones to hit. He has that elite um, mm-hmm. deep ball um, versus the one-on-one. He has the explosive shots there. And yeah. I mean, yeah. So yeah, we, if before we ask, before we ask the well, it's a rhetorical question because my answer is no, it's not different. <laughs> but, but like before, before you like determine that, let, let's define what the offense was the last three years. And frankly, every year that Russell Wilson's been the quarterback in Seattle, um, they spend like let, let's break it down first by dividing up under center and gun, right? Like the two main base, you know, backfields sets i mean there's pistol but seattle i mean pistol is so small in the nfl like let's just forget about that for a second um and and then that said the way seattle uses pistol they pretty much use it like it's under center anyway so you can really grip those two together but so seattle only spends anywhere most years from like 30 to 40 percent of their snaps under center um and then obviously the rest is in is in gun um sean mcveigh with gerald Jared Goff would spend pushing from like 50 to 60% um, in under center. Um, And then if we look at league wide pass rates and under center, because under center right now only exists as like a runner or play action, when you pass, you're only doing a play action. So if you think about it, it's just run pass conflict. That's all under center is right now. Only the Vikings are really have a comprehensive um, drop back pure drop back under center game so like for 31 teams and that might change with the coaching changes there but for 31 teams under center is just like this run pass deal run pass run play action thing um so because of that the pass rates never eclipse rarely ever eclipse 40 percent uh for teams every year there's maybe one or two teams every year that eclipse 40 percent pass rate under center so if you're going to spend 60 percent of your snaps in under center given that the Rams themselves only pass like 35% when they're in under center, which is like slightly above average. That means when you go into gun, you have to pass an extraordinary amount um, in order to get your total pass rates up. Cause the Rams, as we know, are like top 10 in pass rates every year, even with Stafford, but they're living two different worlds under center. They pass a decent amount, but in the, on an, on an absolute scale, you don't pass very much in under center. On a relative scale, they pass moderately above average, but when they go into gun, they they gain back all those all those all those run stat or they gain back all those snaps in under center by passing extreme amount of gun. So when you do that, and when you're when you do that, you're basically when you go into gun, you're telling the defense like this is essentially a third down in the sense that it's third and five every first every first and 10 that you're in the gun. The only difference is that, you know, you have another shot after it. Right. But defenses then are, are defending that offense when they go in the gun, like it's a 
clear path situation because they know they know what their tendencies are they have the numbers in front of them um so seattle seattle only spends every year anywhere like 30 to 40 percent as we said um they actually pass more winning under center than the rams do but when they go into gun um because they spend so much time in gun um they're running a lot to to um they're they're running a lot so that the pass game well the numbers bear out to what they are so like seattle's pass rate in 2020 for example they were still one of the highest pass heavy teams early down neutral state etc blah 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 but the reason why they run a lot in gun is so that they can balance out um balance out their gun passes with gun running because if you if you were to pass a lot in gun to the point where you have the same pass rate as you do on say third and three plus um then seattle's pass efficiency would plummet when they go into gun so because they're for the same reasons that their third and three plus um passing results aren't that great um is the same reason why they run what when they do in gun so if you were to spend more time in under center that would mean creating a game state for russ that is not good for him or the offensive line especially when it's injured uh because defenses know they're passing so so just right off the bat, the main the main thing of the McVay offense, as we've come to know it, is a high high percentage of under center. So right off the bat, um, Shane Waldron used roughly the same amount of under center as Shoddy did and Bevel. Um, from there, uh, the under center passes are the same that they always are. Boots, lots of boots. Seattle runs like they're like top five in total like rollouts every year. Um, the idea that Seattle doesn't move the pocket enough is just factually inaccurate they do it more than most teams they even um, added this year they even added the the sprint out um literally sprint out from uh gun yeah yeah so but anyway they they're they're moving the pocket under center and they're taking deep shots from under center you know those deep bomb posts and overs to lock it um and then they're also doing like the the slide route in the flat the hitch in the flat um or those comebacks that was something that was new comebacks off of under center play action look those deep hinge routes and stuff to dk metcalf um but so the skeleton was the same they spent the same amount of under center and then when they did go into the gun they used like almost a league leading amount of quick game three-step passing of course when you're in gun that's a zero one-step pass um nearly a league low amount of five-step passing and then seven-step passing is mostly used when you're behind or or um you know, it's like third down or whatever, you know, it's yeah. second and 15 after a sack, et cetera. But so point being is that the general percentages are right, how much quick game do they do? How many shots did they take? How much play action do they do? All that was roughly the same, like within a few percentage points. So top down view, the offense is the same. Now, is that a Pete thing or is that a Russ thing? That's a question that gets asked a lot. Um, as far as like the details go, um, well, the reason why they do so so little five-step passing, when you consider that that's like the main dish, the main course for any passing offense, drop-back passing game or five-step concepts because it's the most versatile passing concept, kind of provides its own balance. Um, uh, Russ's like success rate in that is routinely well below average. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where and it's very unstable snap to snap now his mm -hmm. epa per play will be fairly high because he'll hit that five step fade right but when you go into quick game his numbers are much more stable snap to snap so they're essentially saying okay he's not very stable in this he's stable in that and they adjust the sliders accordingly i don't see how that is a pete thing so much if it's a pete thing it's a pete thing in the sense that i'm doing what my quarterback is good at so they they do yeah, they do just... a lot of what he's good at they do very little of what he isn't good at I mean, and any if, not just Pete, any coach would see that and be like, hey, we should probably do more of what we're good at than not right. like more, more patchier. And we saw again this season, you know, stick, we've said about it, but, you know, stick dig, Russ not throwing the dig behind the, the curl for whatever reason. So, so then the, the next question you ask yourself is, all right, well, if Russ is stable and quick game, at least relative to five step passing, why not do less running and more quick game? Well, but then that gets into the same problem of if defenses know when you gun pass that you're only doing three-step and mm -hmm. you don't have a robust five-step passing game to balance it out, Yeah, it's not that Pete Carroll thinks necessarily that Rustin's the production of a run game. He needs run attempts to literally balance out the tendency and balance out the predictability. Yeah, He would, he would do more five-step passing if they had stable results but and, um and like in, in the nfl in the nfl how much quick game can you run so like right. seattle it's not, it's, and yeah. especially outside the numbers so it's or not to very near the number. so they ran stick they ran snag or sometimes with a scene not a corner but it's basically to throw it to the flat and then they ran slant flat but you don't really run that into yeah. zone seattle didn't and so but and you did see teams really camp out those things because they knew that's what was coming like from the guy right. yeah and so it's it's a when pete says balance he is talking about what your tendencies are he's not taught i mean pete i'm sure balance means many different things to pete i think pete would just tell you what well, depends depends on what we're good at it's like russ doesn't need run game production as much as he just needs to be able to accent what he's good at um so that defenses don't choke it out like like you talked about so like really the relationship between their gun run attempts and and gun quick game because they do that out of the same formation over the course of a large enough sample that's like a serves as a macrocosm of the theory behind the rpo right or, or put it another way the rpo is a microcosm of seattle's gun offense mm -hmm. so like and that's it's the same relationship just born out just just you know over the course of of a, you know thousands of hundreds of snaps right and i do um, wonder if like i have wondered in the past if they could you know do what matt lafleur's kind of done with aaron Rodgers and Devontae adams in that kind of cheesy almost gun rpo stuff which is just an extension of the thing you're talking about but then i don't think you can do that because they don't have Devontae adams and which so much of that's predicated on breaking tackles and yeah and like russ's russ's placement on swing passes frankly not that great and we saw um, and you know you're talking extension of this kind of deal uh we saw that with the screen game which struggled through a variety of issues it wasn't just russell wilson as i mean i had like like one play uh which blamed wilson out of i think 17 when i did a screen study early in the season 
But uh, I think as this as the year progressed, you did see Russell's, you know, swing pass kind of deal uh, yeah. show up. Um, uh, one other way to so they they pretty much ran the same thing in terms of they hit all the same notes. It was mm-hmm. the same actually. I think to view play action usage, you should view play action relative to total number of snaps, not total number of passes, because like Seattle, Seattle's play action percentage last year by total number of passes, I think was like 24%, which was like just barely like 13th Mm -hmm. or 14th or something. When the year prior, it was like fourth or fifth in 2019. But the number of play action attempts didn't change. The only thing that changed was how much they passed in total. Um, and really, when, when you play action more, you're replacing runs with play action passes. You're not replacing drop back passes with play action passes, right? So you're just you're just cutting into your run sets with more play action. So I think it makes more sense to look at it by percentage of total total snaps, and probably even better early down neutral state. But I didn't do that. But so C- Seattle's play action percentage by total snaps was like under shoddy was like. 14 something 14 something 15 something and then with waldron it was like 16.6 and by total number of snaps that ranks like top five top three to top seven every single year so i mean seattle maxes out how much play action they do they max out how many deep shots they can take past attempts over 20 they're like top 10 every single year um, and some of that's dictated by what the defense allows right defenses know russ likes to go deep so there might be more available otherwise um if if he could use the field a more balanced number but and i think we've seen i think we've seen better defensive uh scheme and 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 cooled games uh for us uh latter half of last season and then this year yeah so um and with the schematic direction of the league right like yeah that too this this whole so I, I did another thing where if you cut out Russ's attempts over 20 yards every year, is it, I just used adjusted net yards over average. That's a pretty good, if you're not going to use something more advanced like EPA per play or DVOA, I think that's probably one of the better, like just kind of, you know, dumb stats. Um, Russ's rank in that adjusted net yards over, or adjusted net yards per attempt, sorry, not over average per attempt. If you cut out all attempts over 20 yards compared to other quarterbacks where you cut out attempts over 20 yards, um, I mean, his ranks are like, you know, anywhere from like most years 16 to 32. He's in the bottom half. He had one year um, above average. That was in 2015. And if you think about most of the pass concepts that attack that area of the field are five-step dropbacks. Um, and In that intermediate area, right? Right, into the intermediate. And it doesn't have to be over the middle, like we've talked about, it can be on the outside. No. Um, but so... then if it's outside, right, so to that point, if it's outside in that area, then you may as well just go deep, right? Because you're essentially needing a one-on-one to hit that. You're so needing... then you may as well just throw the shot. I mean, what's the point of throwing a 16-yard out? Well, you, you, you want something to access, to accent the fade, like you said, and stick route or the hitch right and that was the play action comeback i guess you referenced but that's not five step drop right so like in the spirit of what troy aikman said after the packers loss or after the cowboys loss he was saying yeah it's great that dak prescott is great at reading out concepts it's great that they want to play that way but when things aren't working when their structure is beating your structure 
why aren't you putting CD Lamb? Because Michael Cooper was out, or is that his name? I just blanked. So Michael Gallup. No, 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 no. Cooper. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. He was out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uh, so he, he he had a like soft tissue injury. He yeah. he was on the sideline. He always seemed to have that massage gun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true. So Troy Aikman was saying, like, why aren't you putting CD Lamb out in the perimeter and just pitch and catch for bang eights and little blaze outs and comebacks for? Your mm-hmm. 10 to 15 yard chunk gains and just yeah. move down the field. He's like saying when things didn't work when he was quarterback, he would just spam those to Michael Irvin. Mm-hmm. So, in that sense, you can kind of circumvent Russ reading things out to the beat of his own drum with concepts where, like, you scheme guys open, but he doesn't throw the ball. You can circumvent that a little bit if you try to you work play, those comebacks. But you play ISO ball, and and that's always been the that's always been the formula, right? And we have right, seen right. elements of that with like the blaze out to DK occasionally. Uh, Lockett is a different one because strangely we haven't seen that, and there must be a reason. Uh, maybe he just doesn't separate in the intermediate. So, uh, but the the thing though is that like DK has the size. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't necessarily have the hands and no, the feet yeah. to be super good at it. Lockett probably has the feet for it, but he doesn't quite have the frame for us to, like, like Matt Ryan, for example. Mm. I'll take Russell Wilson over Matt Ryan, but to prove the point, <laughs> to prove to prove the point. I mean, Matt Ryan, in my opinion, is a really good quarterback, especially yeah, Bula, Matty, Ice. Matt Ryan's getting the ball out of his hands like a full a second and a half before Julio Jones had yeah. his open. There's just trust there. Can, can we imagine even outside the numbers where Russ can see it? Mm-hmm. Can we imagine Russ doing that to lock it routinely? No. So Russ doesn't throw the, he, he rarely throws uh, off defender leverage. He sort of waits for, to see that come open, um, yeah. which is, that's fine. So, it's not so, if if you want to improve those numbers, which is something I mm-hmm. think Pete Carroll, the staff, Russell Wilson, everybody should ask themselves every offseason. How do we improve these pass attempts under 20 yards? Uh, really what I'm saying is how do we improve our numbers in five-step passing so you can do more of it? Okay, okay, hold on. This yeah. isn't... I don't want to hear something which rhymes with... Um... <laughs> Malin Bobinson or Malin Bobinson. So you don't, you don't have to do something dumb this offseason. They don't have the resources anyway. But you also got to... on that point, on that point, why would why the heck would Alan Robinson sign in Seattle when he he's playing behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in an offense that when it passes quite a lot, uh, the Seahawks are probably going to lose the game. Well, theoretically, he would. I mean, the the not the theory, the hypothesis, the 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 intention is that you're passing mm-hmm. more because you would be better at it. Like, which is, that is Pete's philosophy. Pete doesn't have a run first philosophy. He adapts to personnel. Yep. If, if he thinks he has a three headed monster, he's going to pass more. So Um, who's the, who's the big tight end who can, who can play like, who, who is the new Jimmy? So, so even though it's, even though it sounds like we're, we're picking Russ apart here, if, 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 if there are three things that, that, if there are three things that Russ has to check off, or rather, th- there are three things to check off with Russ. And if you can do two of them, you're probably going to win. Those are hit the deep shots, hit the open receivers in the intermediate, and not taking bad sacks. If he just does two of those three in any given game, you're likely going to win that game. 
toward the end of the season, his pocket work, I think, was probably the best we've seen it in a long time. And Seattle's pressure number or offensive line performance, I don't know what the PFF grades say, I don't even remember. But their pressure numbers were actually pretty good weeks 13 to 18. And week 13, that 49ers game, so I think when we identify like, hey, Russ is stepping up in the pocket with the rhythm of the play, the rhythm of the read. He's helping yeah. out his tackles. It was. He, I, he's. He's. I think. Um, I don't think it was amazing, but I think it was. It wasn't so amazing. Much, it was so much better than it had to, been. Yeah. Like it, it really just stood out. Like, oh my gosh! Like we are praising yeah. him. Yeah, like you yeah. said. So, and there were some lapses, right? Like against the Bears, against the Rams, but there was still enough of it to say, like, okay, there's a theme here of of intention like intentional improvement because of the thing and, is like, and and um sort of honoring the timing of the play right not right. just like abandoning just right bang 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 yeah up. yeah and and there were still times where his pocket work was good but he's still staring at open receivers like why is he doing why is he doing that but he's not getting sacked though so again hey if you get if you check off two out of the three you're likely going to win. Like his sack rate went down to like sub 5% for most of those games when it's normally pushing 10% on, on bad days, you know? So um, if, if you combine this kind of renewed process and him hitting Gerald Everett a little bit, like say the backside of, of like of full field progressions um, or like scan reads really, but where his eyes have to go a lot of different places. Um, that was good. But if I, maybe you just solve this problem with as much isolation as pro possible, as much um, mirrored concepts as possible. So his eyes stay on one side of the field, but if he commits to structure, even within that, it would, it would solve a lot of problems. We would, you'd see the success rate skyrocket. Like you said, high EPA per play with a low success rate what does that mean it means boom or bust they need to stop they need to maintain the booms without busting as much um so his pocket work to end the season was intriguing um if they can bring back gerald everett great because there is clearly some chemistry there they're not gonna they're not gonna sign alan robinson they're not gonna trade for calvin ridley um would, I say ridley, that. would ridley help that intermediate thing because he's he such would, a smooth gliding Route so runner. I mean, he sh theoretically he should, but maybe he doesn't have the overwhelming frame over the middle for Russ. But <laughs> he would do the he would do the perimeter isolation stuff that we're talking about. I'm right? so tired. And he would also <laughs> reinforce the explosives. But granted, that's what Eskridge is for. Eskridge is Eskridge is there so that they can, so that the the deep ball never dies, basically. And as we saw week one, man, I'm all over the place. As we saw week one, the reason why we saw the most jet motion we've ever seen out of them was because they can interchange him and Lockett doing that. The reason why they didn't is because they didn't want to lose Lockett in the pass pattern. The Rams can do that. Yeah, and he, and and he scores, got injured week one, threats. right? He got concussed week yeah. one, and he only returned. Yeah. Um, he took ages to return, didn't he? So it was a serious concussion. He had to go see some expert who'd helped uh, Russell Wilson's sister is Anna right? Uh, helped yeah. her come back from injury, uh, basketball yeah. player for Stanford. So, and so, so like that, that, that is a major factor to this because, like, think of, think of last year, you know, David Moore was a legit, like, role player. Um, weird how he kind of bounced out of 
Carolina after signing a, a pretty good deal for himself and ended as a free agent, I think. Maybe he signed the Packers. Anyway, regardless, um, or the Cowboys, I don't know. I can't remember. But regardless, they needed that wide receiver three, just and it kind of was Freddie Swain, but it obviously didn't have that jet sweep threat that if this were going to look really different, <laughs> and shot, Brian Charlesenheimer did motion like he did, but and we, we it, have to remember that jet motion is a function of how much under center you're in because teams don't jet and gun. Yeah. Like, well, or they do a little bit. Very rarely. Yeah. But, like it's crazy. So like when you look at jet motion rate, it's you just need to control for how much under center you're in for that to be meaningful. Mm-hmm. But sorry. And anyway, once they fell into it, right? So Eskridge, he didn't ever really got off the ground after that. But once they fell into the 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 kind of offense, what we saw in week uh like the, the the third part of the season was the usage of y off formations and and the tight ends coming across the formation similar to how jet would uh uh cause issues on the backside of the run fit for zone away we saw that become a thing but it's almost like Waldron needed to fall into he needed to establish some kind of motion you know backside constraint element to his zone run game um yeah and like posick said like how they were running the same exact plays like the same concepts just with different dressing like the reporters kind of pressed him to just like give him some schematic details which are different and he was just like saying no it's it's all the same stuff it's just the formations and the dressings are slightly different like they fell into 12 personnel being a big deal and you look at like I mean, we'll we'll have a more of an off-season podcast, but you look at like an uh, Everett and Disley both being free agents. Well, really, from a run game perspective, you'd like this tight ends back. From a pass game perspective, they're not Jimmy Graham. Um, but then, yeah. who is you? You can't really. If Colby Parkinson, six foot seven, he got one target down the down the scene. <laughs> but uh, but um, really, if he he's the guy who if he you know, yeah. he's still not Jimmy Graham because Jimmy Graham's a ridiculous athlete. Anyway. Um, yeah, he just needs to be mm-hmm. tall and stand in between the mic and the will <laughs> against cover two and just rush, please throw it. Just, um, the, th- the irony is that like, when you go back and watch Jimmy Graham, even in 2017, like Russ can do it if he wants, like, even he can even overcome like the sightline issues because he's he's sticking to the concept. And he'll stick his neck out there and wait for the sideline to reappear. It's like, oh, hey, there's Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, 2017 was a bad year for the offense. But if they could airdrop that connection as a complement to what they have going with Lockett and Metcalf, then mm-hmm. they would they would kind of have their answer a little bit, um, more or less. It would also eliminate sacks, eliminate negative plays. Um, so talking of sacks, did the pass protection stink? Because obviously Mike Solari got fired. We said previous episode that that may well have been more a case of protecting Andy Dickerson, uh, keeping him on board. Obviously, you mentioned the kind of a package deal with Waldron and with Kevin O'Connell going to Minnesota. Perhaps uh, he was going to try and snag Dickerson as his O line coach with the Rams link. Uh, but yeah, did the pass protection suck? Because the, the team pass block win rate from ESPN, they had a 61% uh, pass block win rate, which is 15th, but actually is, I think, tied 12th because Arizona had 61% too, and they're 12th. But then 
I don't know what the decimal points are after that anyway. Yeah. That suggests it wasn't a complete calamity. And when you look at the injuries that they had um, up front, particularly Kyle Fuller sort of being handed the job by default because Posick was dealing with this hamstring injury and Fuller, it just seemed like as soon as Posick slotted in, there was such more, more comfort and variety in the, in the calls up front and they just looked better. Like Fuller ultimately just didn't have it, which is unfortunate for him. But yeah, yeah, I'm saying a lot of stuff before letting you answer the question. No, was the pass was I've the pass blocking bad? Um, so yeah, the great debate rages on. Seattle's pass block win rate rank. They routinely seem to do pretty well in that. And then their PFF grades. You would think that they're the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, right? So, what's what's the truth here? Um, is it possible that it's somewhere in the middle controlling for injury? I, I really think that it is. I think that they're probably when healthy, they, they have a baseline of an average pass protection offensive line. I don't think it's this self-destructive force that preventing them from, you know, going far in the playoffs, at least th- them alone. Um, but you want to be better than average, right? So, and if they hadn't stayed, if they hadn't been so injured, it's entirely possible that was some continuity, especially with how they played to end the season on the ground and in pass protection. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe they have more potential. Um, I've got some numbers. So, oh, looking at so if we, it's th- th- these come with huge caveats. So, if you eliminate quick game, which would hurt mm-hmm. the offensive line because Caveat it's easier. One. It's easier to protect for quick game, right? So if you eliminate quick game from this from the sample, and you eliminate air yard passes of over twenty, meaning so the the, the call might have been for it to be you know a deep shot. So this doesn't do it perfectly, but if you if you eliminate quick game and you eliminate air yard passes of over twenty yards, so like just kind of more like standard dropbacks, right? And if you also eliminate scrambles or at least out of pocket pass attempts, now the debate of does pressure cause the does, does pressure cause the scramble or does scramble cause the pressure? That gets a little iffy, right? I understand that can go both ways. But Russ often bails when he doesn't need to. He often invites pressure when he doesn't need to by holding the ball. Um when he's getting the ball out in the pocket. I assume more or less that the ball is coming out relatively on time. So trying to isolate for all those variables, um, Seattle's pressure rate pressure rate from weeks 13 to 18 was eighth in the league. So that's, Hey, that's, that's intriguing. Um, if we look at, if we include the scrambles, so saying essentially you're, you're adding in snaps back into the sample where the pressure could indeed be in the offensive line, the pressure could be on him. Um, and you you eliminate all play action, the pure drop back pass. Weeks 13 to 18, Seattle's pressure rate rank um, on early downs was fourth, fourth best. And then on third downs where the defense knows you're passing, because remember Seattle uses the run pass tendency conflict to their advantage to help their offensive line and Russ on early downs. On third downs, same, same filters, they were 15th out of 32 uh 32 quarterbacks but mm-hmm. for their pressure it's so like it matches the tape it does match the tape, tape. Yeah. so and they had they were healthy they had continuity if we look back 
pre-injury rest, as was especially before all the injuries happened. Weeks one through five, they were the they had the second best pressure rate with the same same filters. On third down, though, they plummet to dead last. Um, mm-hmm. Seattle's third down sample, though, was very small. We're talking like twenty passes the first yeah. five weeks, because, and, 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 and that goes hand in hand, stacks. right? If yeah. you can't convert on third down, you're not going to have many third downs because you're going to go three True. and out. And that's True. what Pete Carroll said, like how they had to improve on third down. And I mean, they did, but the fact that it had to be a yeah. focus is kind of worrying. Like, So, yeah, yeah. So what I conclude from this is I just think that um, the quarterback play makes the PFF grades, look, the protection grades, look, or what am I saying? Two PFF graders, it makes the offensive line look worse than it is um but then i also don't think it's probably not quite as good as their pass block win rate i think the truth is probably right in the middle yeah Yeah, i think they're just average which given relative to the resources allotted that's probably Mm -hmm. not that bad average Um, trending but average trending up average trending up um jay curhan was a revelation and i think he was pretty solid in protection Ethan beautiful Post. uh beautiful run blocking on the uh, yeah. uh ceiling uh like a four tech four eye as well yeah to, uh, on the back side of the yeah. cutback for mid zone so i don't know what, what do you think what moves do you think they they make it offensive line i think that's how we should distill this well they have to they have to push Posick more um and they have to try and bring him back <laughs> yeah um you have to bring Posick back but you also have to push him um and more than Carl Fuller. Um, so yeah. And then Brown you have to bring back for a year. Um and he'd be open to that. I think then left guard's interesting because do you try and put Lewis as the center pusher? Do you try and get Haynes involved? Haynes was good. Like they had a lot of interesting role players down the stretch um, in terms of Haynes, Curhan, not typical starters. Heck, even uh, Forsyth had some intriguing moments. He so did. it's like against San Francisco, and, and and Brown was playing. I think hurt and was feeling like football, like and feeling a seventeen game season as well. So, but I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I know a lot of people are excited about Haynes, and I get it. Like he did play pretty well, but I don't think he played better than Lewis toward the end. So. No, no, no. He has more. And, he naturally has more power, but he he didn't. And, no. Yeah, yeah. And for the longest time, I've been kind of not anti Posick, but just totally unimpressed by him. Yeah, we we, we both have. And he has completely made me a believer. And so, but. People look at the free agency market. There are some really good centers. Detroit has one. I think the Giants have a center that's um, a free agent. Of course, Ryan Jensen of the Buccaneers is probably the mm-hmm. best one on the market. Then there's also a guy named Brian Allen on the Rams. And his PFF protection grade is actually kind of like just fine. It's like 60-something. Um, I don't know. I've watched quite a few games of Brian Allen. And I watched Posick toward the end, and I don't see a, a significant difference between the two. I think Posick played his best football absolutely. in Seattle down the stretch. Like a lot of the, I don't know, it all just fit together for him. So, a lot of the, a lot of the issues we had with him as well were mainly run game capping. But 
I mean, he's still not going to be able to like really move guys one on one, but they just synced it up so nicely down. His chemistry with the guards was like yeah. absurd. So, and and against good defensive linemen, I mean, they were tested by some by some guys. It wasn't just mm-hmm. it wasn't just the Houston Texans every week that they were playing. It was legitimate. So yeah, I think I don't think they should. I don't think they shouldn't take a look at center, whether via draft or free agency or even, I don't they know. They got Dakota Shepley, right? Yeah, Shepley. And, and, and then uh, Lestage, Pierre-Olivier Lestage. It depends what happens if they play. They, they try him as left guard, I think, but maybe he goes back to center. I don't know. If, if they bring back Dwayne Brown, it's entirely possible that the starting offensive line that ended the year will be the same one to start and the year for 2022. I, I think they'll be very tempted to do that given how the run game popped, but I really do think you have to push push Posick, uh, if only because... Just to keep you know, him on it. Yeah, yeah. because we, we don't know how consistent this is, and yeah, and also, what if he gets hurt again? Right, it, right. You, it's got to be better. There has to be better depth, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, maybe Shepley's great. Maybe Lestage adapts to NFL football, but yeah. I still don't understand why they cut Jordan Simmons. Um, he would have no, made a difference could... against Washington. Where, where does he... Um... Raiders. Yeah, classic. Well. Anyway. Um, I think, DK I think that's the offense addressed. And, yeah. Uh, DK will get healthy. That's all going to yeah, be great. Metcalf, Metcalf was hurt, and Metcalf being hurt, I think, was a that was kind of underlooked at the time. I mean, he's literally just got undergone surgery and is in a walking boot. Like he must yeah. have been pretty banged up, and that matters, especially when he's not. He's never actually going to be the 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 most agile player in terms of separating on the kind of intermediate routes we're talking about. Uh, it's all yeah. very linear still. And so when he's got a banged up foot, that's going to affect him more. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was he was highly like he was highly inconsistent this season. We kind of saw the the uh, the the limitations to his experience right now. Um, I don't know if he can be if he can like get over that sort of stuff. Like for instance, he could be such well. Hey, the the Geno Smith like fade catch where he caught it kind of back shoulder and went up and got it. It was like, oh, okay, that that's DK unlocking that. And then we didn't really see it. We saw Rush try it, whatever, didn't really come off. But if he could unlock yeah. that kind of above the rim ability to, in his game, because he has the frame it would be quite nice. And instead we're yeah. kind of left with some inconsistent hands moments. And Yeah. It, it is ironic that the, that the, the, the deep sideline, like monster guy that rests that they finally got, like they've always been able to access the sideline, but like, Hey, what if you, you got Russ an elite guy, which DK is elite running, you know, running those routes. It's just ironic. The guy that they got runs the routes really well is really big is really fast but he doesn't have hands it's kind of a cruel joke because if they had all three he is a big big body catcher which is fine like to secure a catch but when it comes to hey hands away from the frame time yeah yeah that would be even more of a game changer because if if he could do that you wouldn't need him to run better routes right like it, it would it would offset 
you know, you, you get even more production out of them, especially when Russ is your quarterback throwing to the sideline, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, you want to hear a tweet from me? Yeah. October 20th, 2019, DK Metcalf can't hands catch take. August 9th, 2019, DK Metcalf looking slightly cumbersome extending for the ball there, and the hands look heavy. <laughs> um, I've got a bunch of those too. Let us nice. Let us nice. hope and Let's... pray that he never name searches himself. With people talking about his hands after yeah. he makes like a one-handed catch. One of these. I don't know. I don't. Games. I don't think he's going to come to Britain. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're safe at least. True, and he not may that... he may come to your volcano. I'm not sure. Not that DK would hurt us. He would just make fun of us on the internet, which is even yeah, worse. and make us uh, Nesquik, right? I like Nesquik. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I, I, might... prefer cho- I prefer banana flavor than the strawberry that he seems to prefer. Banana's pretty good. I've had that before. Yeah? Once or? Uh, before. I don't know if it was once or twice, but it was before. Maybe thrice. Wow. Perhaps. Anyway. Okay. Thank we really you ranted and rambled on this one. Jeez. We did. We did. But we, we covered it. Uh we kind of missed out Rashad Penny being amazing, but anyway, yeah, we got we, we spoke about him a lot in uh, episode twenty-eight. Yeah, bring him back. So I guess check check that out. L- listen back to it if you haven't already, and yeah, bring him back because he could be a nice one-two punch, and hopefully he's going to stay healthy now. And that's an old tweet uh, issue for me. Anyway, thank you uh, for listening, watching. We we really do appreciate you been a fun season this kind of the end where we land who knows maybe we'll be here maybe we'll be on youtube if you've heard of that platform uh but for now uh goodbye and we appreciate you